0: In the year 2525, if man is still alive, if woman can survive, they may find.
1: Hello everyone, this is Rumble, I'm Michael Moore, and happy Earth Day. Um, hopefully you'll you still feel that way by the end of today's podcast. This is part two with the filmmakers, uh, Jeff Gibbs and Ozzy Zenner, uh, who um, have made this incredible uh, documentary that I executive produced with them called Planet of the Humans. Um, that was what our podcast uh, dealt with yesterday, and we encouraged you to go on my YouTube channel and watch it. And, oh, my God, it's amazing to see um just how fast this film has shot around uh, the internet here in just the last, um, well, less than 24 hours. This is um, congratulations, Jeff and Ozzie, first of all, for um, for a for first time filmmakers on your first day of a release of your first movie. And to have it be this overwhelming and to get reviews um, in uh, The Wrap by uh, the the um, really wonderful film critic Steve Pond out in L.A., um, but also in Variety. So, again, congratulations, and I uh, hope you're feeling good about all of that. Um, yeah, we're
2: feeling very good about it. It's extremely <laughs> exciting. It's kind of we can't uh, sit still. No, we haven't I'm,
3: slept, I'm, but yeah.
2: Other than that, yeah, yeah, and it's such an it's such an auspicious, uh, you know, kind of a world premiere day. Um, you know, the world streaming premiere day instead of a red carpet and uh, and a limousine. I'm, I'm like, uh, whose turn is it to take out the uh, compost? Oh, I'm the only one here. It's mine. <laughs> who's gonna Who's gonna do right. the dishes tonight to celebrate? Uh, you know, so
1: yeah, uh, it's, no, it's,
2: I, a, it's an amazing juxtaposition of um, an incredible day, and
1: uh, we're all sequestered in our own uh, little worlds. It's um Yes, it is a, it's a very strange time to be releasing a movie, obviously, when every movie theater in the United States and in many countries around the world is closed. So we're releasing a movie during the time that cinemas have been shut down. Um, so not exactly when you necessarily would want to release a movie, but we all thought, why don't we do this now? Why don't we do it now while people are facing the struggle of this pandemic, because um, as we said yesterday, this is a, um, this is really just kind of a, a a warning call um, for what is most likely ahead in terms of how the earth is responding to this particular species of ours. And, um, and the, the concept of mother earth, of Mother Earth, Mother Nature, sending us to our timeout room right now to think about what we've done, to think about what our contribution as a species has been to us getting a virus that our bodies know nothing about and are killing um, uh, tens of thousands of people around the world. Um, so we've thought, what better time than to release Planet of the Humans and to, and to, Encourage a discussion and a conversation, which is exactly what happened. I asked people um, last uh, yesterday, yesterday's podcast, to please watch this movie and then send us an email or a voicemail um, or a comment on social media or whatever. And um, boy, um, did you! The response today, Jeff and Ozzy, has been so overwhelming. So um, I mean, I expected. You know there would be more people that would be maybe upset at some of the things that we're saying because we are we are calling BS on a lot of stuff here in terms of what the corporate environmental movement has been doing to the to the real movement that I know people feel like they want to be a part of, and certainly on a day like today, on Earth Day, and yet um, um, so much harm has been caused, so much time has been wasted. Doing the wrong things that the that these uh, the professional um, environmental um, people, the people that take money from corporate America, from Wall Street, from the Koch brothers, unbelievable the things that this movie exposes, and the reviews uh, in the last twenty four hours, and the comments from people here who have written in um, are basically stunned, um, and they should be. I, I'm, I've been waiting so long, Jeff, <laughs> for this film to bring the truth to people. Even if it's an uncomfortable and painful truth, you have done that with this movie. And this thing is exploding. I mean, it's it's just um, amazing. YouTube last night uh, gave us, uh, people there gave us a call to share with us the analytics, the data, you know, all the stuff. to, And they were blown away. First words out of their mouth were, "These numbers are," and I'm quoting, "insane." <laughs> um, now I know if you spend a lot of time, like I do, watching a lot of things on YouTube, <laughs> it takes a lot for YouTube to call something insane. I tell That's you right now, <laughs> it's, it's like, okay, uh, is that a pot calling the kettle black here, or <laughs> no? But you know, but this is, oh my God, these people are so great at uh, at YouTube, and they are. Oh man, I can see why they, why they finally, they, why they got to who they became, and the service that they provide for people. Um, I, I know. See, uh, the boomers, also, the older people laugh at all the, the fascination with the cat videos, but there's a whole lot more going on on YouTube. The fact that that young people, especially, use it as a search engine to look up things, to find things. They don't go to just to Google. Uh, which I believe in the interest of full disclosure, I believe owns YouTube. So, but you, you know, people like us, if we want to learn how to make hand sanitizer at home, we just go on to Google and ty- type hand sanitizer. And the generation that we raised, the generation or two after us, they go to YouTube and they type in hand sanitizer because they're going to get a video that shows them how to make a bottle of hand sanitizer in 10 minutes. <laughs> While well, we're still back reading page 23 of the scientific analysis of, um, of hand sanitizer. Okay. All of that, having been said, um, the people at YouTube and thank you people at YouTube for um, helping us with this debut on my channel uh, there. Uh, thank you to all the new people who've subscribed to my channel. This is really incredible. Um I welcome you and I can pretty much guarantee without revealing too much right now because basil and i are in the process of putting together the next level of things that we want rumble to do to help turn things around in this country um the your film jeff and and ozzy um is the first thing we've done beyond this podcast and um
2: you know, can I just say something about that? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, please. The amazing thing about, um, you doing this and YouTube, um, helping us with this is this, this is we're, we don't know what we're pioneering here, but we're pioneering something different, you know, to put out for free a movie that we've worked on for, for years. Right. You know, that's, that's, that's a big move and to do it in this time of the pandemic and to do it with, uh, one of the things we haven't said is so many people have donated we've got unbelievable people that have allowed us to use, you know, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but have allowed to use us to use their music basically,
1: you know, gratis right now.
2: And we've got yeah, so probably, many
1: people that have helped us. And so. You should say these things. Uh, yeah. you know, I guess we can't name the names because, uh, you know, there's all these, but we had to get the rights to all this stuff and you got them, Jeff, and you got, and you appealed to them personally and they watched the film and they were so overwhelmed by what they saw in this movie, Um, very large names in pop and rock music um, gave their music to Jeff for this film. Stunning. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything like it since my first film. I haven't seen anything, this kind of support.
2: So I haven't seen anything, you know, it really moved me to tears and, and even just sometimes the description of the movie, people were, um, you know, it's, it's interesting how so many average quote-unquote people, whether they were uh, superstar musicians or just people that have helped us, um, were, were moved to help with this journey and with this process because there's no way we could have done it. This is um, – and so I think I'd like to pay attention to the fact that we're kind of pioneering um, a different way of getting a movie out right now. You, who knows what will happen down the road, but right now um, – even for YouTube, this is a new experience. Having a, a movie like this come out for free, as opposed to the, the pay network, you know, revealed a whole bunch of issues and things that we had to work through. So you, Michael, and the Rumble channel and YouTube and, and this film, we're all collaborating uh, and kind of an experiment here. And, and I think we can per- perhaps, um, you know, learn something here about how we're going to break through the, the whole film festival and distributor and funding you know, circuit that kind of is great in one way, but another way is a bottleneck in which a few people decide what the world gets to see. Right.
1: Right. Well, I think you're right. I think that we're going to be doing some new and different things so that truth and information um, and art can reach a larger audience and, and the end run that we can do around um, the those, the, the art police, the people that police the gates of what gets made, what doesn't get seen, et cetera. Um, I mean, I know this just from my own festival. I, I see all these films every year people send me, and I'm stunned that some of them don't have a distributor. That, you know, some of the best films I've ever seen have been films I've shown at my festival, and they never got a distributor. And I just think, wow, how many other people make these incredible movies that the public never gets to see? And then I just thank my lucky stars that uh, how did I, how did I in the beginning ever go from being, you know, I'm a person from Flint, Michigan with a high school education. How did I get the chance to, to have people see my movies? Um, You know, part
2: of it, part of it. Some amazing films and your breakthrough film, Roger and me was roundly. Um, disturbing to many of the people in the uh, documentary field and the movie field um it got uh, you took a lot of um you know you you, cha- you broke the mold and you took a lot of heat and people didn't want to invite you to the party and because you broke down that gate and have done that with film after film after film i don't think without you we would we would have been able to get this film out in this way because believe me stories like ours that challenge what everybody's supposed to believe in supposed to to know what's going to save us. Those stories get shut out uh, by the media on, in all different directions. I don't want to pick on the media because we need it right now, but uh, there certainly is a catechism of what's accepted and what's not accepted. And this film falls outside of that. So we found our own way to get it out. um, That I think is, uh, it's very heartening that people are responding and so many people are watching. I mean, Ozzy, you wrote your book, green illusions, but um, you know, and then, you know, what kind of response did you get? from you know it wasn't easy to get your story out there after that was it
3: no it wasn't it took a while to find a publisher after the book was out i think people were grateful and i and i, I think that's what we're seeing with the film right now is is similar kind of story where you know when people are told that when people are given the story um and re- when 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 they kind of like lift the sheet up from over their face they're they're grateful they're like oh i mean people like like you were saying earlier michael uh, they like to have their eyes opened up. They like to be able to broaden their perspective.
1: Well, I'm glad you told, I mean, there's even more to these stories of, I know what you went through with with your book. Um, when people do (laughs) the people in charge who are not going to like what certain documentaries or books say, they go out of their way to block it, block it and block it hard. And, and, and that's not to say that you won't even go through that still with this film. Um, you know, I hope you don't, but I know this I know this feeling. I mean, you bring up Roger and me. <clears throat> Quick story. Warner Brothers bought Roger and me. They they won the bidding for the film from me. They bought it. And um, three or four weeks later, Warner's merged with Time, with Time Inc., Time Life, and it, they became Time Warner. And they had a they went down somewhere in the Caribbean, all the executives from Time and all the executives from Warner's. And to discuss how are we going to work together as a company, Time Warner. And one of the top executives at Time, at Time Magazine, says to the people running Warner Brothers, um, this film you've bought on General Motors, Roger and me, uh, you can't release it. And they're like, what? It's already We already bought it. Well, then eat the money because you're not releasing it. General Motors is one of the, if not the tap, top advertiser in Time Magazine every single week. And this company is not going to shit on its top advertiser. And when I heard this story, I mean, I'm just trembling, right? I'm just thinking there goes my first film that's going to be flushed right down the toilet. But the people at Warner Brothers were not going to have any of it. And they decided to use this moment. They knew they had to do this to put their foot down with their new corporate overlords or their life would be miserable from that point on. And so they decided to take a stand and tell the people at time to fuck off that they're releasing this film. It's already been bought, you know, tough shit. If you don't like it. And, and one one of those executives later told me, I don't want to out this person. So I'll use the pronoun. They told me that they had been, um, Key participants and members of the Students for a Democratic Society, SDS, in the 60s. The Port Huron statement, Tom Hayden, all of that. And that this person said, um, there was no way in hell that people were not going to be able to see this movie. And I thought, wow, there's an example of somebody who does not look like they were ever in SDS. <laughs> um, and you run across these people every place, they're in, they're everywhere, who have a conscience and who have the fight still in them and it the, that that person and the rest of the people that were to saved my movie from time back down and people got to see Roger me had time won, we, we wouldn't even be on this podcast you never would have heard of me you never would have seen the next film or two or three or any of them probably that would have been the end of me i was already so far in debt and on unemployment i've been retiring
2: uh, from general motors right about now
1: so. i'd be off i'd be on the, that buick assembly line that you got me a job on. <laughs> That's another story for another day. But um, anyways, my friends, let me just get right to the, to the mail, <laughs> to the mailbag from today. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple, uh, three of these. And then we want to throw our Earth Day uh, party here on the podcast. Um, this um, is from Charlotte Ann. And she writes, just watch the movie Planet of the Humans. And it ended with me sobbing. Seeing the monkeys, the last scene of the film, the I believe, orangutans, right, uh, Jeff? Uh, orangutans, yeah. Yeah, dying there. Seeing the monkeys, the orangutans, was the last straw. I have had my suspicions, and my cousin tells me, the recycling scam too, that it's dumped in the ocean. I'm praying that this film has an impact on all. All And all that I have left, I put my hope on is in God. Well, God in this film. I'm old, 77 years old. Thank God. Bless you for the work you do. And I follow your lead. I don't know what to do. I know the marijuana movement was successful, but got hijacked also by the same scheming corporations People tried to stop putting humans in prison because they possessed marijuana and now becoming legal in so many states with corporations making a profit off the very thing that they supported candidates for who voted for policies to lock people up. Wow. Diane Risden writes, Dear Michael, first of all, thank you for your podcast, Rumble. I look forward to each episode. Second, holy shit. I watched the movie, Planet of the Humans, before I finished listening to your podcast yesterday because I felt the urgency you and your guests conveyed. While I did not watch it alone, I asked my husband to watch it with me because he's in the house with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The movie shook me to my Core. So many things that I believed in, such as solar and wind power, are flawed. Flawed. I wanted to believe that a movement toward green energy was making a difference. Boy, was I ever wrong. Truthfully, this pandemic and the staying at home has me believing that this is a chance for us to reevaluate how we live. Let's stop consuming so much stuff. Let's grow our own food. Let's read. Let's ride bicycles. Let's live in smaller homes. Let's live in communities where we share things, where we care for each other. And the list goes on. Thank you, Michael and Jeff Gibbs. This is a powerful movie, and I hope it goes viral in an unprecedented way. With profound gratitude, Diane. What do you think of that? That's pretty good. <laughs> that's that's
2: amazing. Oh wow. man,
1: I could barely get through reading it.
2: Yeah, that's that's pretty spot on, isn't it? I mean, that's so heartening that. Um, um,
1: that's her first takeaway and the first number one. Let's stop consuming so much stuff, and let's live a different way with each other.
2: Boom. That's one of the reasons we wanted to we wanted to strip away the illusion that solar and wind were going to save us. Because I've really felt, and she encapsulated it, that that story is in the way of the real story. It's not just that they don't work. You know, I have no personal interest in taking down renewable energy, except that story is replacing that illusion, that fantasy, um, us grasping the true nature of the mess we're in. And uh, that's so, just so beautiful that she got that. And I do believe the movie, w- whether you get that right away or over the time, or over time, works on people in, in that way, and uh, it's it's very moving. Um, Ozzy,
3: yeah, we found people will watch the movie and then come back a week or two later and say, you know, I can't get your movie out of my head. Yeah, yeah, and it does. It works on people. It, I have noticed that.
2: You know. Um, I think there's been a shift away from when we had our screenings last year at the Traverse City Film Festival and our a few, few other screenings on the journey to um, getting the film ready for now. Um, people were like, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Even though it's in the film a half a dozen times, it's hard to absorb. And so I think this pause where we've been sent to our rooms to think about it does help us come to grips with, um, oh yeah, maybe what we're doing now is part of the solution. We don't want it to be this drastic and this painful. But, um, you know, people
1: shouldn't have to die for us to get the message.
2: You but unfortunately, unfor- being in the wrong story has produced this time. Yes. Uh, when we're, people are dying. And I don't want to blame anybody in particular, but pushing the wrong story for the last 50 years since the first Earth Day, perhaps the last two decades primarily, has put us in this predicament because. You know, the Earth Day generation and the people who founded Earth Day and the environmental movement knew, they knew that it was our human presence that was in conflict with the planet. And we mm-hmm. slowly drifted away from that to believing that if only we bought enough technology, if, right. if only we had enough industrial manufacturing of these giant machines called renewable energy, somehow we'd be saved. And um, that's the biggest crime here is that we've lost these decades not focusing on on the right thing, which of course is ourselves. We fell
1: for a story or stories that did not put the planet or ourselves as a species at the center of the story. We, we made the story into how can I keep my lifestyle the same as it is where I can just buy whatever I want and live this way. I want a Tesla. That'll make me feel good because I know a Tesla is good for the environment. You know, this, 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 the, the way that, I mean, I know the first time, you know, when we talked about this movie m- moons ago, and you started filming it, the 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 growing anger that I felt that I've been bamboozled, that I've been had, that I've been, you know, and I knew, I, I knew that that something wasn't right, and um, and I've told this story before of how I many years ago followed this uh, recycling truck in Michigan. I wanted to see where they where they took it, all the bottles and cans. And they took it to a dump. They took it to a dump, a landfill, and they just dumped it. And from that day on, I haven't trusted anything I've been told about what it means to be a good environmentalist. I've trust, trusted my instincts. I trust you, Jeff. I got to know you, Ozzy, and trust you. But um, we're asking for something pretty big here, you know, with this movie. We're we're asking people to, you know how they say that when you enter the movie theater, you have to suspend um, – you know, disbelief, Mm -hmm. so that you accept the story. Within 10 minutes of a good movie, you're right into the story. You're not thinking, oh, that's George Clooney up there. You're thinking, no, that's this is a story, and I'm completely into it. And But we're asking for something. We're asking people to suspend the belief in the stories that they've been told about how we're going to save planet Earth, of how we're going to be good environmentalists. We have not been told the truth. In part, that could be because the people telling the stories didn't know that they weren't telling the truth. In part, they knew exactly what they were doing and they were doing it to make money and to be in bed with corporations, got them all to turn green, green energy, green this. And none of it was saving the planet. And, you know, when I was on Colbert last night and I just, you know, he was asking, you know, I'm there to help get people to see the film. And I just said to him, I said, well, it's, there's been, this is earth day, 50 years of earth days after 50 years since the first earth day, how do you think the planet's doing? A lot better, right? Since 50 years ago. Well, nobody can say yes to that. Of course it isn't doing better. It's much worse. We're on the precipice. We've been there for some time and, and it's, I'm stunned that we haven't fallen over that cliff, but it's, it, I've had it, I guess this is what I'm saying. I mean, that's why I'm involved in this film. That's why I support what you've done. And I know that, that this may be a bitter pill for a lot of people to swallow. I just ask that they watch this. Once you watch this, um, you're going to have a lot of questions that should be asked of the people that have been, um, perpetuating these stories. Go ahead, Jeff.
2: Yeah, I was, you know, I think you were referring to how this, uh, the journey began and it really began with me wanting to make a nature film about you remember that about the the, the butterflies and the trees yeah. and you know the trees were freaking me out why are the trees dying everywhere and why is nobody talking about it and so that was the film i was filming and i thought well i'll cover renewable energy too and see what the holdup has been and i think at, at the point where i started the serious filming you know I, I was like not thinking solar was our savior exactly but i was thinking yeah it's a good thing you know i'd always wanted solar panels and uh we interviewed somebody about what it would take to get them on a, a house I was staying in and realized it would be more difficult than we thought because of all the angles. So we actually were filming a bunch of, um, you know, more, you know, it can be stressful filming environmental collapse and asking questions like we ask. So we really went to the solar festival in Vermont, partly to do some interviews and, and see what's going on and what's the holdup. And um, and partly it was it was really to have some fun. It was like there was dancing and there was a fire at night and a lot of music and, uh, you know, exhibitions and uh, there were some people I knew there, a couple of authors that I really wanted to meet. And so r- truly when my cameraman at the time, Chris Henze, um, noticed some people behind the stage fussing with wires and generators and all this commotion, that was really one of the moments where um, it was a true moment of discovery mm-hmm. where what what... And you can see me fumbling around, like, trying to help them, you know. Uh, so, this is powering the festival, right? Because you wanted to believe that. Yeah, I wanted to believe what they were saying was true. Maybe, you know, um, I didn't quite get, because I didn't see tons of solar panels there, just a few. And, you know, what was going on. But I could hear these generators running. So, something didn't seem quite right. Um, and then when I learned that the solar panels were only intended to power the lights on the stage, not the festival Hmm. has had been advertised. I was like, what the hell? And then when I realized it was just a scheme, really, they're going to leave solar panels up for weeks and just do an accounting game where they could kind of imagine that they had powered the festival because they did the accounting when they were advertising it as a solar powered festival. And that's when I went, what, what, what's going on here? Hmm. So, um, you know, that's how I got started with this part of the journey. Um, And, uh, you know, and I, you know, I think I've might have told you that before, but when I was in uh, the sixth grade, um, I was so concerned back then about what we're going to do when we ran out of oil that I actually uh, kind of hobbled together a uh, solar hot water heater. I took a big cone and uh, got some aluminum foil and got a magnifying glass and painted this box black and tried to put it together. Um, Something came out a little bit warm at the bottom, but you know, I really was concerned even back then with what we we're going right. to do.
1: You have told me that, and, and that, just to point out to people, that was 1966. It's four years before Earth Day, and Jeff Gibbs is making some sort of solar water heater. Uh, uh.
3: <laughs> if you know Jeff, it's not that surprising. But. I know. it's
1: like I, That was sort of when I laughed, just then I just thought, that's not really you laughing because you already know this to be the truth. Um, let me just uh, – just a couple more letters here. This is just amazing stuff people that watched the film in the last 24 hours. I just watched your new movie, Planet of the Humans, um, and I am profoundly changed to the point where I'm not sure where we go from here. I know now that Donald Trump is not the only evil player in this story. I'm totally stunned by this documentary. And I know it to be true because you have been the only one telling the truth all these years. I have sent this to all my family and friends to give them a heads up on what is happening. It is a scary world, much more so than I ever suspected. Thank you for telling us, and please be careful. The next one comes from Richard. He says, it sounds like the solution, Jeff is a virus with the virulence of COVID-19 and the mortality rate of Ebola. A solution that depends on humans doing the right thing, though, sounds like fantasy to me. Many of us may be doing the right thing today by staying at home, but there are still those in power who are promoting that we leave our homes and go back to work because that's the right thing because their bank accounts are hurting. Hopefully, there is a less horrifying solution and a more realistic one that you can propose. Hmm. As you said, you s- essentially propose it throughout the film, but but you're right. It's, I don't uh, propose. A, it's hard, a hard little bit. Yeah. Why don't you explain? How do you answer somebody like this? Because, um, Sure. For, for one thing, this person is
2: going to a dark place because the dark place is in all of us right now. And it's good to expose that dark place. And I, and I thank comments like this and questions like this. That dark place is the imagining, and I've heard this over and over again, oh, we're going to need a virus. We're going to need a plague. I made this movie to avoid a virus or a plague taking us out for a couple reasons. I don't want humans to suffer like we're going to suffer, and we are suffering now. And making, being in the wrong story has led us to this point. So this is no solution at all. This is this is this is a wake-up call, but it's not the solution, and it's also not the solution for the planet. Because if this civilization tumbles down and falls apart, on the way down, we'll take everything with us. We'll take the whales, the fish, the trees. We'll take the bushes. we we'll, we'll starving people do horrific things. So this this is a dark place that we go to. When when the bubble that we're in is pricked, and that pricking of the bubble is a good thing, um, but the solution, in, in a positive sense, is that once we understand that less must be the new more, there are so many things that lend themselves to that. You know, where what are we? Where are we going to learn from the places that have sustainably and justly reduced their consumption or their population? What cultures have done that? What can we learn from Flint? where we're from, where there was an uncontrolled collapse, partial collapse that's left the people in that city damaged. But in the solution to that, we're going to need engineers. We're going to need water experts. We're going to need planners. We're going to need sociologists. We're going to need social workers. So, you know, to me, which we didn't go into in the film, but we're going to go into in more podcasts or or whether it's more videos or movies or discussions, this Movie is to set us with the right set of questions and aiming towards the right direction. And from that, there's hope. So um, the dark place we go to, oh, throw your hands up in the air. That's a natural phase to, to come out the other side and say, okay, okay, we've had our fit. It's depressing. It's hard. We're angry. And now what is the nature of the problem we're facing and what can we do about it? And even if there's only a small chance, the only chance we have is by asking that correct set of questions, and that's my soliloquy for today.
1: Wow, well, that was beautifully put. And
2: Ozzie, you want to add to that? I mean, it's just you get this all the time too. It's like people go to this, oh, you know, this extreme when as soon as you prick the burst their bubble about um, green things are going to save us.
3: Yeah, because I th- I think it's, a, it's an anxiety that people have, and it's an in- intangible one that you can't really kind of put your finger on, but there's this understanding that there's an underlying problem um, that just seems so overwhelming, I think. I've had moments like that. I mean, maybe we all have a, a I don't think it's unique to me, where I, I do feel like it's hopeless, or I do feel overwhelmed, or I do think you know, there's no way, we're never going to be able to figure this out. Um That's one of the things I like about the film so much is that it can start to reorient your thinking. And well, you know, if you, if you have that reset and you say, Hmm, um, if you're not, if you're going to think about the problem, uh, by stepping back and looking at the larger picture, then, then you could start to see it differently. Um, and I think that's what we need to do with the whole movement, not just, not just one, one person at a time. And that's where the, that's where the, the, The film really has a lot of power because it's a story that can move a lot of people in the direction that we need to go.
2: Let me give another analogy, which is like, um, when I was a therapist, one of the things I realized that we as humans, this includes me, this includes all of us. Sometimes we have this place, let's call it our garage, that's attached attached to our house. And we have some garbage and it's kind of smelly, so we throw it in the garage and slam the door shut. And then the next week, there's some more garbage. We throw it in the garage and slam the door shut. And after some months of this, the garage is a reeking mess. And we just keep that door shoved tight. But we keep getting more garbage. We keep throwing more stuff in there. And so there comes a time when it's gotten worse. The longer we wait to have this reckoning uh, with what we've thrown in the garage, the worse it becomes. But only by going through the wretched smell and and the, the dealing with all this Stuff that we've been avoiding dealing with, can we come out the other side? And no other options really, I don't think, exist for most of us um, We just if we just keep slamming that door shut. So I think this is a journey that I, and a process that I trust um, and that we will individually and collectively come out the other side only only if we're willing to face the darkness that we've helped create and that we've also been led to create by the system that wants us to believe in a fantasy because it's profitable for them. That system being the system of not just profits, but more profits and more profits and more profits and more stuff, growth, more more growth, more.
1: Right. And how in the hell did that system of greed and profit hook itself up with a movement that started 50 years ago today by a bunch of hippies who essentially had rejected this concept of the few shall be rich and the many shall serve them. That was that, that generation. We're that generation. I mean, we grew up with that feeling. Um, I was there part of that first earth day happening in, in uh, Michigan. And um, how Jeff did so many, and you, you call people out you name names in this movie how did the Sierra Club go from I mean from this great thing started by John Muir if you don't know who he is you can you can look him up but really one of the first great they didn't have the word then <laughs> environmentalists uh, actually it was his birthday it's his birthday it's every year it's a He's long gone now. He's somebody who was from the 1800s. April 21st was his birthday. I always remember that because it's the day before Earth Day. And what he must be thinking, if he is seeing or could see what has happened to the Sierra Club, to these environmental organizations that started being in cahoots with hedge funds and um, money funds, uh, tying – this movement to the to the point I remember you showing me the Sierra Club website I don't know it's a couple of years ago and they're they're selling things they're selling these solar panels and these other things I can't remember what it was it was electric on, cars
2: it was choose your electric car you know on choose your electric, links.
1: on the, on the Sierra Club so so they're then in business with these companies that are profiting off what they call green energy. But in fact as you show in the movie these things are anything but green energy they destroy the environment they run on fossil fuels they can't exist without fossil fuels as a backup so it 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 just Jeff help me out here seriously how did these groups these environmental groups these people that we used to believe in when did they leave us and and become tied into um Profit, Wall Street, um, you know, what you show us with with Al Gore. Oh, my God. I mean, Al Gore, we all, you know, we all have, like, I think probably a lot of us good feelings about Al Gore. I mean, he first of all, he won the presidency. He got the most votes over Bush, yet he didn't because of our system because we never correct that part of our system. So so he loses. Um, He makes this film. He gets everybody thinking again about what was called global warming uh, then?
2: Oh man, we made Fahrenheit eleven. 9/11. We made Fahrenheit nine eleven. You, you know, you made it, and, and uh, some of us had the privilege of helping. Well, you were the cop, uh, partly in the Thank despair you. because Gore lost.
1: That's right. We, we were really we begin in despair. the film with that. We begin the film with, and this. I have the music under that. Yes, you wrote that music, and and we wanted to, we wanted to draw people out into the sense of. Look at this robbery that took place when we, the people, elected this man president. No, no, the whole first part. This is why we are not. This is we are not people with axes to grind or bones to pick here. We are the we are the people who voted for Al Gore. We are the people who um, you know did what we could, even even with my support of Ralph Nader. And I explained this back on our podcast episode where Ralph was our guest that I refused to participate in the part of Ralph's campaign where he was trying to get the swing states to vote for himself. And he knew that none of us had agreed to that. I tried to meet with Al Gore. I, um, you know, began, and this is what part
2: of my disappointment um, after his movie, I was trying to see where he was. I wanted to get an interview and I wanted to talk to him. And I began to see all these really powerful restrictions against um, anybody like me kind of covering um, him after the film. And I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. you like no journalists were allowed. Mm. In fact, you couldn't even bring a pencil and paper um, to his talks. It was one of the things that was on a contract that um, some places were being asked to sign. And um, so, you know, I still—I know this might sound weird—but the people that you see criticized in the movie, I still have hope for them. And, and some of them I still love and admire. Of course, yeah. These these are people in our family, yeah, that we may, we're criticizing. Because we need to air out the family dirty laundry to go back to the uh, you know, the garbage analogy. Right. And I would answer your question by starting with me. Because when I was a young hippie, you know, I thought I could traipse off to the woods, as you see a little bit of in the movie, you know, and I'm gonna build a log cabin, I'm gonna burn wood instead of fossil fuels. So I buy myself twenty acres of land, and what's the first thing I need to do? Bring a bulldozer and a chainsaw. Well, then I make a rationalization with myself. Oh, I'm the good woods guy. I'm helping nature. You know, I'll make up for this somehow. And then I can't afford solar panels, so I have to get a generator. But then I, because the solar panels are really expensive. But then I found out people have solar panels and the generator. Okay. And then I have to drive to town to work every day. Now I put myself in the woods. Uh, Now I'm making noise. I'm chopping wood. I'm burning stuff, causing pollution. And it didn't dawn on me till much later when we started making this film that i wasn't some genius nature guy you know green i was nature's worst nightmare because i was a human coming carving out my own little spot making my rationalizations so i think where do we go wrong i think i did i did it didn't want to i didn't really want to understand where did my wood stove came from Where, where did my wood stove come from if civilization fell apart how am I going to get a wood stove? How am I going to get a window? Where am I going to get a solar panel if there's no industrial civilization? So I think it really, in a way, this is my unraveling my illusions about who I was and how I was going to be sustainable hmm. um, and understanding that the task is, is this is a task we all have to try and do our best individually, but we can only all solve collectively.
1: To the, To the people listening to this. Um, and I think you're already being asked this by people in the last uh, day here, uh, and you will be asked it a lot. They're going to ask you what they personally can do. What, what They'll come up and they'll say, what, Jeff, Ozzie, what can I do? I want to do something. I have to do something. I get it. I watched the movie. I now know that some wool has been pulled over, pulled over our eyes, and and we've been made to believe in certain uh, deities of the of the left so to speak um, I don't consider it necessarily they're all on the left but nonetheless um, people really want to do something they really want to do something not just yap about it but actually do something what do you say um, to that to that person
2: yeah that's that's an interesting question when one that we should probably spend a whole podcast on, I yeah. would say this, for, for starters, if we went back, let's say 40 years ago, when everybody was smoking, and you remember that, you know, those of us yep. who were alive, yeah, everywhere, everywhere, my parents smoked,
1: my grandparents, my aunts and uncles. They smoked on airplanes. Doctors smoked <laughs> on TV. Doctors smoked on TV and said it was healthy for you. It made
2: me sick to be around smoke, um, even when I was a little kid, and- you know, and so if you ask that question at that time, well, how do you stop, you know, how do you stop the smoking? How do you, how, where, what do we do? And we did stop the smoking everywhere. It took time. Mm-hmm. and But at first it took the, the change in awareness and educating ourselves about the nature of it. And so I do have a lot of specific things I'd like to suggest or throw out there. But those are kind of irreve- irrelevant unless we come to this common awareness. That's only by ending and reversing growth that we have any chance at all. Um, so, you know, we can throw out some specific things and some general things. Um, but Ozzy, have you, you've probably gotten that question a lot too, because you were on t- tour with your book and uh, speaking a lot of universities.
3: Yeah, I do get that question a lot, and it's a difficult one because I, I agree with you, Jeff, that it's it's like a there is the, the reorientation that has to occur and that has to happen on a, on a broad scale. And, and to start getting too specific is kind of allowing people to get lazy and get off the task of, of making that turnaround. Um, but, you know, there, there are concrete things that we can do. It, it, you closed a biomass plant in Michigan. I mean, well, you, you, you basically shut down the plans for several biomass plants that were, were planning to come. So that's a perfect example of something tangible that people could do. Um, there are several people that have seen the film that are in the Sierra Club and have come to us, you and me, and said, I'm in the Sierra Club now. I can't I don't know what to do. I can't go back. I don't know. But you know, the Sierra Club is is kind of two parts. There is this part of the Sierra Club that is the executive part, and then there's the membership. Um, and the membership are people who like to hike and go into wilderness. And so um we can stop recognizing the executive branch of the Sierra Club as legitimate. When media wants to go talk to the Sierra Club, they shouldn't go to the executive branch. They should go to the membership council instead and get the membership councils and, and call that the Sierra Club. Uh, so there, there are things like that, that we can do when we have that awareness that you're talking about.
1: But well, it's not just the Sierra Club too. In this movie, in this movie, you guys, you confront Bobby Kennedy Jr. Um, you confront Bill McKibben, um, who is one of the top leaders of our environmental movement and yet you call him out on how he went around the country for a number of years encouraging people to set up biomass plants burn trees um burn waste burn um and in the movie you and i I know personally you tried to reach him um, a number of times and and like these other people they wouldn't speak to you so you just went to where they were and and very politely Tried to ask them why, why are you for the burning of trees? The, the amount of pollution that that causes, the 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 deforestation, and all the how that upsets our whole ecosystem. Um, how can you be an environmentalist and and be for biomass burning? And you were just given the old heave-ho, the shove-off. Um, I think he made a McKibben made a joke to you. I can't wait home to get home and throw some more wood on my fire in my gas in my in my uh, wood stove uh, in my home it was sad to see this because I mean here's somebody that's was trying to warn us a decade ago that if we don't stop this carbon in the air we're done 350 parts per million yeah. that's what he said 350 parts per million uh, if we go beyond 350 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere we're cooked and there's no way to turn it back. There's no way to go up there and scrub the atmosphere. We're doomed. And the fact that we are now a decade or so later and we're at, I don't know. Do you know what the latest, the latest number I saw was 410, 410 parts per million. Um, that was he wrong? Or is it okay to put more in, carbon up, know, in the, up in the are, air? <laughs> in the movie,
2: you know, um, if we try and emphasize um, that it, the problem we're facing is far bigger than climate change alone. But climate change itself, of course, is devastating. And the only three times that we've used less fossil fuels in recent history, probably since Earth Day, the three times are the days after nine eleven, the skies got clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Great Recession, uh, there was a dip in fossil fuel use and uh, carbon pollution. And now… So what about the only solution to move forward is for less to be the new more, um, don't we get, despite trillions of dollars being put in green energy? And I don't know if I've told you this before, um, but or if you remember, but during the uh, the pipeline protests um, a while back, I actually Out in the, had the a coating. previous encounter with Bill McKibben. Oh, hmm. And I asked him, you know, what I wanted to ask him was uh, was about consumption and growth and these. And I kind of got an unusable interview because he just was like, "Oh, well, we all have to do the best we can," and you know, it's kind of too late for individual responsibility. Um, and I really didn't want to push him, and that's the. Uh, and some other people got angry that I asked him that, and I just kind of um, wandered away. But um, I've been trying to reach out. And have this conversation about consumption, growth, and overpopulation for a long time. I actually paid several hundred dollars to get into one of these carbon, you know, dinners with all the uh, environmental stars and all the corporate people and the, the big shebang in uh, Washington D.C. with Richard Branson and uh, Dennis Hayes was there too. And I didn't chase after Dennis Hayes. That I, I walked down the hall, Dennis Hayes with my the camera pointing under,
1: downward, co-founder Day. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, w- I walked down my hall and Richard Branson is an airline uh, billionaire who's yeah, at that a, time had airlines. made promises to help save the planet. Right. So with my camera not even pointing at him, I walked down the hall, gave him my car, talked to him for a minute, told him I was working on a documentary. Uh, so this attempt to kind of bridge the gap and have an early conversation about that has been um, a part of my journey because I've wanted to not, I've wanted to collaborate with all these folks. Um and see if we get on the same path. Um, and what you said earlier about, you know, the solutions, just yeah. two other quick things. Yeah, yeah. The, the very idea that you keep rel- that's been pushed for the last couple of decades. I think we're kind of addicted to it. Oh, here's one simple thing, 10 simple things you can do. You know, you recycle, you can, you know, uh, you can carpool, you can, you know, um it, th- one of the things in our local 350 group that they had they made a video about was you can inflate your tires properly. Hmm. Okay, the planet's dying and okay. the big message this week is you can inflate your tires properly. Hmm. And uh now excuse me after making this video I've got to go, go to the airport and, and fly to San Francisco. It's like um some this little thing that we can do sort of deal is a, it's been a distraction. And it's been a promise that's never been fulfilled. And so, even though there are things that just I think we should all be doing, like today we cannot mow our lawn, right? If we never, if we all stop mowing lawns, there'd be millions of acres of habitat, carbon soaking habitat, immediately. But you don't hear that because there's no, um, who profits from that? Um, You'll hear that a little bit now and then popping up. you know, you can, you can buy some land and make sure that it never gets developed. Um, there's just many things that you can kind of do on a small level, but we have to work both on the local level, the regional level, the national level, and the international level with the UN to move things towards, you know, in our community, how are we going to deal with and stop, having, stop being addicted to growth? Mm. When's the last time anybody fought a development in Traverse City? Do you remember when that dune by Grelickville got plowed down two years ago? Yeah, The only way you knew was because you saw it being plowed down. We must have more environmental groups per square foot than anywhere in the country. And a a 10,000-year-old dune got plowed down for a new subdivision, and there was no comment on it until people started going, what the heck is going on? So we can start with at every level beginning to fight the growth, get back to, to protecting trees. You know, people around the world are dying protecting trees. Well, in the U.S. and at the U.N., we're promoting policies that enable the burning and cutting of forests. This biofuel story destroying, you know, forests around the world and indigenous people, that's not news to people defending the forests and indigenous people in South America or Africa or Indonesia. That's only news to us. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs>
1: no i'm just
3: i just said what he said
1: yeah but (laughs) how have we helped the people who are asking us what can i do how can i stop that bulldozing how can i how can i um bring these so-called environmental leaders back around to where they once were maybe that's impossible now Uh, maybe i think
2: you just answered your question how can you stop that bulldozing do we even care that there's bulldozing going on
1: that's well, work, I right? Care. I care a lot about these things, and I'll tell you. And it drives me batshit crazy thinking, well, why am I still doing it? You just brought up a few minutes ago the fact you and I are from Flint. And when you talk about these tragedies, these the collapse that we're in the middle of, not just with the coronavirus, this started back in, what, 20 with Flint, 2014, of poisoning the people there to the point where every child under the age of six From 2014 to 2017, 2018, Um, maybe even still today because they haven't replaced all the pipes. Once you drink lead and you're a child under the age of six, you have permanent brain damage for life. There is no way to reverse it. There's no medicine to take. There's nothing. You're permanently brain damaged. And the governor, once he knew what was going on, did nothing about it. There's a great story in Vice this week if you get a chance to read it. Uh, He knew this. He let it go on. It's a majority black city. Who's going to do anything about it? (laughs) He knows that like a, like a good, smart, rich white person. He knew that, that he could get away with it and you could, and you could cause brain damage to every single child in Flint that they'll have for the rest of their lives. The fact that he's not in prison. I mean, I just, this is just one thing. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm not going to go into it now, but, but, um, I wanted to ask you why you were saying that about Flint. Uh, sort of an existential question, but it, it's one I ask myself all the time. And, the, you know, those of us who essentially were able to escape Flint, um, how do we keep going? I mean, sometimes I just don't know because it seems like we rarely win. Even when we win, Al Gore, Hillary Clinton won those elections. You know, I'm not the we, I'm not part of their we, but I accept that if the majority of Americans marked on the ballot, they wanted that person as the president. And then that person isn't the president. Count that up as another loss to our side. How is it? How do we keep going? How how is the person even asking us what to do? The fact that anybody wants to do something after all this, after we've all been locked up, I'm in day 43. Um, I don't know what you guys are, how long you've been locked up. You know, we're all climbing the walls here and we're trying to figure out and we're, and we see on the news, the people that are dying in, in Michigan this week, a five-year-old died of coronavirus. Oh no, it doesn't affect anybody under the age of 50. Remember that two months ago, it's like all the bullshit that we're fed. And, um, Maybe because you can hear the anger in my voice, and it's just why I want to keep going and keep keep fighting these things. Get this film anger out is there. the
2: antidote to despair. Well, I mean, Okay. Then it's a good thing. I mean, Action is the antidote to, to despair. You right. know, when when I had clients or even myself, I was I've been desperately depressed, or people have been depressed. You know, what what should I do? What I what should I do? Well, you know, doing something, um, is begins the journey, and so there's you know there is. So much to do. I mean, if we would have planned for the changes in Flint, um, there could be walkable communities. There could be clean water. We could have avoided so many problems. People could be using the empty lots, you know, to grow food and to plant trees. And um, but when we don't plan for despair and collapse, we wind up in this situation. So I'm optimistic that there's just so much to do. I'm just hesitant to lay out. Too many little things and specific things because that will be criticized too. Right. Um, And
1: we'll have, listen, we'll, we're going to keep, we'll be, you'll be guys will be back on the podcast here. In fact, you told me just before we started tonight that you're thinking of starting your own podcast, which I love uh, this idea uh, to keep this discussion going, to talk about these things. Uh, Is that really a possibility that you guys might do that? I mean, I'm not trying to get you to make any announcement here, but. uh, uh, Oh, yeah. What what were we going to call it, Ozzy? (laughs) <laughs> okay first of all folks wait a minute let me just stop i can tell just by the tone in jeff's voice that they have probably got two names one's a really good name and one is from jeff the master of puns uh, am i anywhere close to <laughs> yeah you got it here? i got it i got it right there you right? got it right okay yeah. let us hear let us hear the the sens- sensible adult uh, possible name of the podcast. Uh, it, I'll, it would I'll cover be,
3: that one. That would okay. be the Planet of the Humans podcast.
1: That is an excellent name for a podcast. Planet of the Humans podcast.
2: Featuring Jeff and Ozzy.
1: Jeff and Ozzy. <laughs> I love this. You know, not, <laughs> not Ozzy. Podcast of the Humans. Wait a minute. What's the, whoa, Wait. whoa, whoa. I missed the, what's the panorama one? Podcast of the Humans. Oh, that's not bad, actually.
2: Podcast, podcast of, the, of the Humans. Yeah. Featuring Ozzy and Jeff.
1: I see. I think it's popular than America. that one. You put him in the top of the, <laughs> of the one that has the, of the funny the, one. The funny the, the one. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, it's Earth Day. We should be celebrating. You know, what? we promised people a party. If they came to the podcast today, this would be the Earth Day party. And, of course, I'm being somewhat facetious. But I think in talking to you since uh, the film was released yesterday, um, you have thought a lot about yesterday's podcast and and what you wanted to impart to people here on Earth Day. Um, so why don't why don't you just have at it here in our in our remaining minutes?
2: And who wants to start, Ozzy?
1: Well, I mean, I would just
3: say to wrap up that we should take this moment to think about um the time that we have and what Mother Earth is trying to tell us because we're definitely being told. Um and this is our chance to. I think this is a really op- a real opportunity to to reevaluate uh, where we see our place in the world and our future in it. So, yeah, I see. I see that. That's where I see the hope.
2: Jeff, I'm feeling ext- very hopeful because I know that only the transformation that comes with awareness means that we have any chance at all. And I feel like right now, thousands of people are having that transformation. I don't know what that's going to produce or what's going to catalyze, but it's our only hope. And I, I want to make a call out to the uh, my fellow members of the Earth Day generation that um, we did have many, many uh, profound awarenesses, awarenesses that have been repeated generation after generation. I think we can join this current generation by recalling where we started and where we got lost. We did love the planet. We did want to live more simply. We didn't want to participate in the industrial complex and capitalism like we are now. Um, And I think this is a time when we can all rethink that. And, uh, you know, during the invasion of Normandy during World War II, the first wave of troops from the Allies were slaughtered. They were massacred, most of them. But what happened was they brought the armaments, the weapons, the munitions, the things to hide behind, and enough of them were left alive on the beach, that the next wave was able to get up that shore and conquer. You know, they invaded that beach to save people they didn't even know. That's what we have to recall about ourselves. This is not about us. This is not about us going out as as baby boomers or as as the earth day generation. Um, You know, this is about us leaving what the next generation needs, even if it means risking our own supposed happiness. And I think we still have that opportunity. Let's give a hand to the next generation who's going to get this right. And the, the reason I believe we can get this right, well, the part of Flint I grew up in, we had to turn off the water like once a week, several times a week, because... Brown stuff was coming out of there. Can you imagine what we were drinking back in the 60s? And, you know, because there were open pits of slag or something, acid, I don't know what, from the automobile factory. Because right near where I grew up, something blew up an oil tank and there was oil billowing out, you know, down on uh, the highway. And we had to run back into the school, you know. um, So, I know. I remember that. Mm. That life, I think part of the reason I've been able to do this is I understand and at the same time, we were told, look, we're the wealthiest um, group of working class people on the planet. You know, we have the most wealth, and yet we had this industrial terror all around us. And so I think I've instinctively, from the time I was five years old, known that there's something wrong with this. But I also know, look, in many ways, our lives are way better. And while life is as good as it can be for many of us, and we have this pause, Um, I feel tremendously optimistic that we can use this time, um, you know, to uh, begin to formulate the right thing. And if we don't formulate the right thing, at least we're going to go down fighting and trying. Right, right.
1: Well, we're not ready to go down yet. And I'll tell you, this film that you've made, um, I'm so happy for the response it's received in its first day. And I encourage anybody listening to this, if you haven't already watched Planet of the Humans, it's just 98 minutes folks and you're going to watch a documentary unlike anything you've seen before about this subject um and I encourage you to do that today tomorrow this weekend it's free we the three of us we've put it up for free we had a big you know uh, distribution planned before the pandemic hit even after it hit we decided well we'll just we'll put this out in the fall put this out next winter whatever um and then we just decided no Now, people are deeply thinking about how we have treated nature. How did we get this virus? How are we treating each other? Perfect time for you to watch this movie. In in some weird way, it will be uplifting in the sense that you'll realize, yes, the fight is on, and we're going to win this fight. We're all in this together. There's more of us than there are of them. And while there may be some bitter pills to swallow, well, you'll come out on the other side of this movie ninety-eight minutes later, just like those people who wrote those letters, wanting to do something, anything. I just I can't encourage you enough to take ninety-eight minutes and watch Planet of the Humans. This movie, we get nothing from it. It's n- there's really we we all worked for this for on this film for nothing, and um, we expect nothing. And certainly, at least for the first month here, we've got YouTube to agree. Uh, they've given a tremendous push and they're, they've been a big help. Uh, you just go to my YouTube channel um, or type in a search for planet of the humans. Uh, my name, Jeff's name, Jeff Gibbs, two B's, uh, not Joe Gibbs, the old uh, coach of the uh, Washington Redskins. Um. <laughs> Jeff, Joe, it's all the same. <laughs> the um, the Seriously. And I'll tell you um, tonight, Uh, Here's a piece of good news. Um, Jeff and Ozzy and I are going to do a live stream uh, broadcast on our YouTube channel. We'll also carry it on Facebook, on on my Facebook site, uh, uh, which is uh, facebook.com slash mmflint, if you can remember that, Michael Moore, mmflint. I think we're going to have it on, I think it'll be on Twitter also, uh, but it'll definitely be on, obviously, on our YouTube channel. So uh, that's going to be for, especially if you've seen the movie, try to see the movie before 10 o'clock Eastern tonight, because that's when we're going to have this live Q&A and discussion with you, the public, about um, this movie and all the issues it raises on on the evening of Earth Day on its 50th anniversary. No better way to spend the, the 10 o'clock hour tonight than with your fellow citizens of this planet who are deeply concerned about um, what's going on. So that's 10 o'clock tonight, uh, Eastern time. So that's seven o'clock Pacific. Uh, it's around three or four in the morning in Europe. Sorry, friends. Um, but it's also, it's probably around 10 in the morning in Australia. So there you go. Uh, there's an upside. Seriously, folks, tune into this. It's free. It's a live stream. Come on. Um, and uh, I'll have links on the podcast site here. You can just click the link. I'll have them on my social media, Twitter, which is M.M. Flint, uh, Facebook, M.M. Flint. Um, I don't think we can carry it on Instagram uh, tonight, um, but um, it's always a good place to go for information. Um, if you didn't get a chance to see me on Colbert uh, last night, uh, you know, go to the Colbert site, uh, CBS. I'll try to get a link. I'll put it up on the platform here, if not uh, today on, the, on our next podcast. So you can see this, uh, wonderful conversation I had with Steven, uh, last night. Um, but join us tonight, right? Jeff, Ozzy, we'll be there. We'll be up. Um, it'll be fun. We'll be semi-groomed, semi-groomed, right? Um, yes. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, Hey, I haven't done anything. I think video wise with people on the podcast, this is an audio operation. Um, but, uh, I haven't seen you a lot of you. You haven't seen me. Uh, my appearance last night on Colbert was the first time I've been on TV on any show in over six weeks. So um, uh, tune in tonight, 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, but watch the movie first. Watch this incredible movie, Planet of the Humans. And, um, and then uh, we're going to look forward to either Planet of the Humans podcast or podcast of the humans podcast, that'll be worked out in a future. You decide. Well, oh, you let, let me decide? Oh, that's not fair. The audience can decide. Yes, there you go. The audience should decide this. Um, but I'll have you guys back on here in the next uh, a week or two as more and more people are going to want to ask questions. Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll have a bit of a debate uh, with people who don't agree with us. That'd be great. Um, maybe we'll hear from some of the environmental leaders uh, who will come on and take our questions as to why um, we've gone down these roads so far to the point where I don't know if we can turn it around, but the three of us with this movie are going to attempt to turn around the runaway locomotive that is barreling toward that cliff. Um, The movement as it would be referred to now has used to serve us well. It is not serving us well now. And, and we need us to all come together to find, uh, the right way forward. It's not the way that we've been heading right now with this movement. Um, and it cannot be attached to those um, whose sole interest is in making a profit. It's the sure doom effect uh, for all of us.
2: The definition, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again that doesn't work.
1: Especially, the other especially if you're doing it with a billionaire.
2: The other definition is being sequestered in your home alone, expecting that somebody else is going to do the dishes. So
1: <laughs> We're going mad, aren't we? We're all going mad. Here's a, a way, a way out of the madness is, is this movie. It's our gift to you uh, here on earth day. Um, it's a speaking of gifts. It's my birthday tomorrow. Do not send gifts. Um, I I've, started a new practice. you want a free movie tomorrow yeah no no i've i've looked for the last couple of years i've thought i've really wanted to change how i do my birthday i don't want friends and family to send me gifts i want to i want to give them gifts and now having been stuck inside i haven't been able to do any of the things i wanted or thought i would do this year but uh so far they're all willing to accept this this movie as a gift uh so i hope it's taken in the right uh, right spirit but um well, um, so you've
2: given you've given us a tremendous gift by helping us get this
1: movie out. So, thank you. You've no, put no, in no. you know years with us. No, so. I'm, I'm happy to do it. And um, um, actually, I've decided what, during this podcast that I um, Colbert asked me last night. Are, are you? How are you going to celebrate your birthday? You're you're alone there in that apartment. What kind of party can you have? And I and I I've been thinking about it since he asked me that. And I. I thought here just a little while ago. You know, actually, I should just have my birthday party with the people—the only people I've been talking to, to for the last six weeks. Other people on this podcast. So, if you're listening um, and you'd like to be part of my birthday party tomorrow, uh, uh, tune in. I'm Not sure what time I'll be able to post it, but uh, you can check my social media. Uh, but um, we'll um, we'll have a we'll have a birthday party uh, tomorrow, unlike any other party I've had in in my lifetime. And, um, and, uh, and it might just make me feel good. All right. So there's nothing wrong with that. Right, Jeff. I mean, it's, it's okay to, um, <laughs> throw a party right. just to get you out of your own, your own personal despair and climbing the walls. Parties are good. Parties are good. Parties are good. All right. So I'll see everybody uh, tomorrow at my birthday party. Um, uh, time to be, uh, disclosed Well, I'll post it and then you can listen to it uh, whenever, but, uh, you can, you can send me an, an email to Mike at michaelmore.com Uh, you can leave a voicemail on the anchor podcast platform, uh, here. Um, and, um, please share this and please share this movie with your friends and family. Uh, um, we want to, we want to light a fire folks, uh, help us light that fire. Go ahead, Jeff.
2: We should finish with a rousing chorus of happy earth day.
1: Uh, to what tune do we do? Oh no, <laughs> I
2: can't sing. But it, this will be two, uh, no, two think... days in a row
1: that I, I think I sang for Colbert last night. But I, uh, it was, he <laughs> was, it was so wonderful to see him at home, and and uh, his son was filming him. His his high school his son. It was very, uh, it was very cool. Um, happy Earth Day, um, Ozzy. You got an idea?
3: No, Happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. I'm looking Earth forward Day. to seeing everyone, and seeing what people have to ask. Let Earth Day be about the Earth.
1: 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific um, uh, on, on my YouTube channel and my Facebook and elsewhere. Um, so please, yes, please uh, join us. And um, um, we'll try to have some – we <laughs> we totally failed in how we're going to sing Happy Earth Day because it just sounds goofy if we just do it to Happy Birthday, right? So, <laughs> And I'm not going to be able to coax either of you to get one. Do we have to go back to drinking? Is that really what this has come down to? This is, this is the only way. Um, it, anyways, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Rumble. I'm Michael Moore. My guests have been the filmmaker Jeff Gibbs and uh, the producer of Planet of the Humans, Ozzy Zenner. Um, we can't wait to hear and talk to you more about the issues that we have raised uh, in this film, Planet of the Humans. Take care, everybody, and I'll see you tomorrow on my birthday.
0: With a pink hotel, a boutique and a swinging hot spot Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone It's paradise, put up a parking lot Picked took all the trees, put them in a tree museum But you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They gave paradise, put up a parking lot. Late last night, I heard the screen door slam.